welcome to These Lads on Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalise mental health. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. These lads are mental recognizes the Gadigal people of the Aurora nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders past and present and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. In this week's episode, we've got a tremendous Hugh Miles. Hugh is originally from Melbourne, but now working and living up in Byron Bay where he creates and designs surfboards. Hugh is a survivor of a coward punch in the Gold Coach, which then sparked his own mental health journey. He went on to create his own book called Pocket Smiles, and it's a very inspirational and uplifting story. We really think you're going to enjoy this one. So tell us a bit about you. So you're in Byron now, but are you from Victoria originally? Yeah. So I was, uh, I was born in Melbourne. Childhood was in the States. Um, moved back to Torquay when I was a teenager. Um, and I've pretty much been there since until the start of this year. I've lived in Byron before a couple of times. So just go up for um, like three to four months in between uni breaks and stuff, just uh, surf and strike and yeah. whatever else. And I've spent a little bit of time in Sydney and then through studying, I studied for about seven years and worked in Melbourne for a bit too. But it was just, I was bouncing between there and Torquay a fair bit. And then um, this year, just had like finished the book and had other projects finished up and just felt like I needed change again. And I went up for holidays and went to a friend's birthday. And everyone that I met there was like, oh, we can get your job here. We got a house here. You can do like, I've been working on a tiny home. And they're like, we've got a space for the tiny home. And so it was, I flew home. And then two weeks later, drove up with a very full Subaru Forester with about five surfboards and guitars and one bag of clothes and two pairs of undies. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah. And it, um, it started out perfect. And it's been such a fun year that got there. Um, Thought I had this dream job lined up. I had all these other things going really well. My tiny home was meant to come up in two weeks. And then the job fell through. I ended up packing candles in a warehouse in Ballina, which wasn't really where I thought I'd be this year. And then on the same day, it was a Monday, I think the borders closed, so I couldn't get the tiny home up. I went for a surf in the morning thinking, this is going to be a great day. The surf is pumping came into two giant texts. One was from my housemates. They were kicking me out. And then the other was from a candle company and they fired me on the same day. Oh. <laughs> They're like, if you want to know why, give us a call. Oh my God, if I'm not good enough to pack candles in a warehouse, and <laughs> I definitely don't want to know about it. <laughs> I went back and packed my bag up and I had family friends up here in Noosa and so I came up here and had a couple of weeks just trying to figure out what the next steps were. 
I um, I've had a lot of um, different career paths, and I just was going to use this time to try and find one to do. And one of them was this mental health, and that's where the direction yeah. I thought I was going to go in. But then um, just had some work lined up, and then that same dream job that didn't work out at this halfway through the year, June, July, they came back to me and offered me the job again, and that's where I'm at at the moment. So you're, in your, you're currently in your dream job? Pardon? You're currently in your dream job? Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. It's pretty good, just working with my hands, making surfboards, and I've done that yeah. since I, I've been shaping boards since I was 18. Um, just as a hobby. That's a cool and job. Then, um, wow. So Bob McTavish, the guy that I work for, he, I grew up in the country in the States and I saw this video of him and his friends back in the 60s and was so inspired by him. That's what made me want to pick up surfing. It wow. made sense to me because I, like, I loved the beach and I loved snowboarding and skateboarding. And so... Um, as soon as we moved back to Australia, I picked up a surfboard and I was pretty awful at it for a long time, but just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so it's, um, it's been pretty cool to end up working for him and being mates wow. with him. And so you're, you're work, literally working for Bob McTavish. Yeah. Wow. Cause I, I even recognize that I know that brand as myself, like, and I'm like not a surfer at all. So they're, He's pretty big, right? Mm. Yeah, very um, very iconic. It's kind of where a lot of the progression from the first version of Surfboard towards to where it is now, he was kind of responsible for a lot of that. Wow. So just quickly moving on to the, the mental health side of things. Yeah. Um, one thing we do ask every guest is just what their own definition of mental health is. It's... Um, Tricky one because that's the thing I talk about in the book is <laughs> that lots of times that the definition of mental health is um, by the World Health Organization, something along the lines of um, how we cope positively with normal stresses of life and how to um, go about your days fruitfully and functioning well. Where a lot of the time we hear, hear the words mental health and we can't panic and think mm. kind of implode a little but um i guess in my own words i think mental health would be when you get in bed at the end of the day just how to take a breath out and be happy with where you're at whether yeah. you're happy or sad or just to know where you are and be able to let the day go yeah yeah i like that because i think you know being content probably is sounds like what you're trying to say there is like yeah, no matter what your day's been that when you go to bed at night you're kind of content and just yeah. glad and are happy for what you you're you're at in your life i suppose which is for me personally something i've always strived for to be at that point where i'm like okay you know now i'm content now i'm okay you know um, which is not always easy, obviously, with uh, what things and life controls you, right? Yeah, that's it. I think it's about just if you have adversities or problems in your day, come to a conclusion with them of how you're going to learn or see an opportunity in it 
and then move past it to be ready for the next day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we need to get away from, I hate when people say um, mental ill health. Like, I just don't think that, like, why, I don't even know if illness is the right way to even, like, you know what I mean? I, like, I get there's a scientific, you know, um, meaning for or label for things, but as we've spoken to a lot of people on this, this is just things that people have in your life, whether it's environmental or genetic space or whatever and you can cope with them and there are strategies to cope with them and some are on a spectrum, some are more severe than others, but I don't know. What do you think, Gary? I just don't think mental ill health is the best way to frame it. You know, these are just things that we have good or bad, you know, that we have to deal with. Right. Yeah. I mean, just at the end of the day, it's just, it's just uh, the way people describe it. As you said, that if someone's not doing too well, we tend to say they're in ill health. So if someone's not been at work because something's happened in their life and, Naturally, you're going to say, "Oh, they've got ill health and mental, physical health." Yeah, but if you if you compare it to physical, right? Let's say if you just were if you weren't in shape at the moment, that's yeah. what you would say. You go, "Oh, I'm just not that fit at the moment," or "I'm not." You wouldn't go, "I'm ill. I've got physical ill health." Like I, I think I mean? again, but I think just depend the comparing that if you said to me, "Um, um I've ill health mentally," I wouldn't think of you. Oh, you're currently you've had a bad day. Oh, you're currently not having a good time because you've just had a kid and you're stressed at work, etc. But if it turned out you are going through a psychotic episode or you're, somebody had passed away and you're going through depression or something, I would maybe veer towards there. But maybe it was more towards illness, like ill health as opposed to just you're not. Yeah, but I, I don't know if it needs to be like deemed as an illness. I think it's it, for me, it's more like I have a mental health condition or several conditions. They're like condition for me is a nicer way to frame it because it's just that just implies it's something that you have but it doesn't why does it make you feel like you're ill which has a negative connotation you know what i mean what do you think you i think the illness I've, i agree that because any kind of other illness when if you have a cold or say if you're injured you know when you're better Yep. With mental health, it's hard, it's harder to define when you're, yeah, you might better. feel, and something might trigger something. And it's, um, but it's same, that's how it's classified by a lot of things. And it does fall into certain categories. It, um, it does make mm. sense. But um, I will agree that with con the word condition sounds, seems yeah. to sum it up. When well, we do the thing about, I was going to say, do you think about being better as well? Like one thing I've been learning a lot in the last few months with various different things that we're doing and projects is maybe there is never a better, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't think you can ever cure yourself of whatever your mental health condition is. You can cope with it better and deal with it better and have strategies, you know, but rather than trying to fix it, these are just things that we have and we have to manage them accordingly. And you can obviously manage them well or manage them poorly, but I don't know whether they'll ever go away which i know might seem scary sometimes to people go i'm never going to get better no you will get better but it doesn't mean that like like i have anxiety panic attacks depression it does i don't think i used to think i could try and get rid of them and they'd never come back again now yeah. i'm starting to realize well that's probably not a reality it's more around how do i keep them at you know at a, at a at let's bay. say but yeah at bay or at a bar that i'm okay with that it doesn't impact my life So uh, what about your, your own story then, Hugh? So 
obviously you've got the the book pocket smells which we're going to in some detail at some point but would you mind getting to sharing your own mental health story of course um so i guess like anyone i didn't really know what mental health was until this big event which i'll talk about later but looking back through high school i was very i am a huge introvert. I need a lot of self recharge time. And I've always been quite or very shy. It was um, surf instructing that taught me how to get out of my comfort zone and interact with people a bit better. But there were definitely times at school I was probably um, not as healthy as I could have been mentally. Um, but again, that's the same, but who doesn't have a hard time through high school? Um, after high school, when I was 18, I had to, I was doing a surf lesson and someone down the beach got dragged in. Um, so we, being the first responders, ran down. We did CPR on this guy that ended up being 18 too. And I think we did CPR for half an hour to 45 minutes. And he ended up passing. Um, we had comfort in the fact we couldn't have done anything more. We did a really good job. But as you probably imagine, being 18 and having that, that was a huge, um, huge pivotal moment in my life where I decided anything I wanted to do, I wasn't going to sit around and wait for it to happen. Um, but it was pushing myself and pushing myself to the point that if I wasn't going full speed ahead all the time, then I wasn't happy with myself. Um, but in those years, I had a lot of fun. I got a lot done. That's why I started checking surfboards. That's why um, I was studying what I did. Um, and But then had this event happen where I was coward punched on the Gold Coast. And that kind of sent me back to, I can't keep going like this because um, it, for one, wasn't healthy. But... Um, that's when a lot of these problems came to light and I had less control over my mental health and kind of really sent me to rock bottom that um, it was only until then I really, I really had no idea what anything to do with mental health was. I didn't know a clear definition of anxiety or depression. And it wasn't until I started getting anxiety attacks and had bad general anxiety and the depression that it um, got to a point where I decided I needed to learn about this and figure out what it is and get on top of it all because it was, um, yeah, started to spiral pretty quick mm. after that one event. And do you think with that event, which is awful, but also we're very glad that you survived that because we know, we know that kind of act of the carrot punch can be fatal. It's one of the most horrendous things in society from that moment do you think that triggered maybe some ptsd or trauma maybe the the boy that you mentioned on the beach who was your age 18 do you think that's why that like anxiety and stuff started to come after that event what happens when so got me from the side and i hit the concrete with the back of my head 
and the brain bounces. So I had a hemorrhage at the front left or right, just behind my eyebrow. Um, so when you have a knock like that, that it can affect your um, wiring of your brain that you're just taking more information than usual. And that can cause the fight or flight response, which is what we know as anxiety attacks. So the two were linked. Um, obviously it was changing maybe the way I was living, I guess, that I all of a sudden had this mental health that was preventing me from living how I wanted to live and moving forward. It was um, really halted me and my progression. And with a head knock like that, I knew who I was and I knew how I used to be, but I just didn't feel myself. Mm -hmm. um, I had short-term memory issues. Uh, couldn't concentrate. I lost my sense of smell and most of my taste for quite a while. It's back now as far as I know, but I guess I won't know how much um, just because it's been quite a few years now that I've gotten used to it as well. Um, so yeah, it was a big, big combination of I felt, I remembered how good I used to be and I didn't know if I was gonna get that back. Right. And I was losing momentum from um, this pure desire of just keep pushing forward and keep learning and keep progressing and developing myself. And what was the, so you mentioned you kind of like, you started to spiral pretty quickly so what year did the punch happen? And then like, if you give us like a timeline, was it like six months later, a year? How long did it take you, you feel to kind of get over it or, or to recover or get back on track? Um, so it happened, it actually happened on World Mental Health Day in 2018. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. Jeez. Well, maybe that was a good sign, you know? Yeah. Well, it's just, um, it's nice to go back to and it's, uh, helps me remember what day it is, but, um, yeah, so World Mental Health Day, October 10th in 2015. Um, so I obviously blacked out. I woke up in hospital the next day and they pretty much sent me out straight away um, and didn't really give me any warning of what I might experience. So I, that afternoon flew back to, um, flew back to Melbourne, went to um, back home to Torquay. Next day, went for another checkup at the doctors in Geelong. They, um, but again, they didn't really give me any warning of what might be coming the storm that I might face. Um, so then just slowly picked up on these things that um, like not being able to concentrate, I couldn't remember lots of things. Um, it actually took me a while to realize I couldn't smell. But um, once I did, I went back, we got an MRI done and 
still had a bit of bleeding on my brain. This was maybe two months later, a month or two later. Um, but in that time, I was studying and working in, in Melbourne and just um, the anxiety attacks, I'd never had one before. And the first one, I remember I was near, um, what street was I on? On um, Swanson Street in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. and all the trams and noise and people everywhere and I had no idea what was going on and thought I was having a heart attack and um, so I just I got on a tram went straight back to my apartment as quickly as I could and just laid in bed and tried doing these half-assed breathing exercises that I'd heard about and just tried to get on top of it but it was um, it kind of snowballed pretty quick in the early the next year, so around February, um, when it got to about June, I was at my worst. Um, just full, like peak depression. Um, did think about trying to end it but it wasn't something I was going to do because it just felt like I was stuck in this and I was never going to get back to who I was. And um, the anxiety attacks were really, really confronting. Mm -hmm. Um, But with dealing with friends that have been in that position before and I just, I couldn't do that to myself and my family Um, I have seen my friends get out of it and knew that I could do the same. Um, Yeah, it was um, probably a good, what, October to July, I'd say. And then it actually came good in a relatively short amount of time after that, once I started, once I've made that decision that, it's, there's only real two choices from rock bottom mm-hmm. is to call it quits or to start figuring out a way out. Mm-hmm. I guess that's when I started my journey with learning about mental health and starting to become, um, I guess, vulnerable to it. Yeah. I think one of the nice points you touched on there is even the discussion around, let's say, taking one's life. There's, and it's totally understandable, often it's not spoken about, you know, really at all. And if you mention it, like speaking from experience, you feel like people think you're going to actually go and do it. Whereas there's a difference between contemplating it. Like, you know, it's like a spectrum of things where like trying to be delicate here, but just, yeah, I think it's, if we were able to normalize the discussion around it and why we are having those thoughts would be a good thing in my opinion. Because when you don't normalize or don't make it acceptable to speak about, well, that's when people might go to the, you know, the end action. And that's obviously what we don't want to do. Because I've had some friends who have taken their own lives and they no one even knew that they were struggling that much. And if only we had a known, maybe we could have, you know, or they could have felt like they, their place here was worthy, you know? So... Yeah, I think that is something we've not really touched on a huge amount on the show thus far, but 
you know, very important element of this whole mental health topic, you know. I guess the reason I bring it up is, like I said, I, I knew I wasn't capable of it, but I understood it at that point. Mm. And I understood what other people are going through when they do make that decision, and which mm -hmm. was a huge moment for me and instantly made me able to empathize with people that have been in that position before. I don't think there's many I don't think there's many people in that position which I think adds to the difficulty of having those conversations because I'm sure if you're feeling like that you, you would feel like well no one's going to understand what I'm thinking and they're going to think some people might think oh people are going to think I am actually mental I might even consider this I think there's something wrong with me which again only amplifies it even worse whereas like you said Neil if you do have that conversation with somebody, it, it can be enough. And like the story I've told in the past with the person I know who tried it, the conversation we had unknowingly did save their life. And that, that is, it's a, it's a, it's a, a catch 22. It does all come back down to again, talking about it and normalizing it and making it realize that these thoughts are possible for anybody, anybody in any walk of life. Uh, but it is a difficult one to navigate. And even you talk about it you know, on a podcast, which is dedicated to mental health, it's still very, tiptoey like not yeah. too sure how to talk about it mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. the obstacle we, we are, we're facing at the moment is how do you talk about it without without mm -hmm. making it well yeah well you don't you don't want to like offend anyone you also don't want to trigger anyone which are obviously maybe that's why we're being con uh, conscious about it but also you know it, it sometimes it can be the difference of saving someone's life and uh we, here we spoke to a few people on the show. There was Nick from Batir who called people who help people out of those situations anchors. And often anchors don't know they're anchoring, but they are, you know. And we've also spoken about a guy called Grant in Bondi who has one wave is all, it's, all it took, where yeah. literally one surf saved his life. So, um, you know, those one little moments can be the difference to helping someone out of the, you know, the darkest times. And yeah, if we could just talk about it a little bit more openly, then maybe people could say, hey, look, I'm in a really bad place at the moment. And then that way, then they, they can have a, a network around to try and pull them through. Kind of, I think, would be a nice way for it to get to, maybe hopefully sometime in the future, you know. Um, but then, like, there was also that show, like, 13 Ways, you know, that was on Netflix, which, like, I didn't really appreciate that because I think that was kind of normalizing it almost in the opposite fashion where... You know, I just didn't think that was the right way to be approaching it, you know, whereas the ABC did an amazing show around the survivors of suicide and, and how they what they're doing with their lives now. I was like, you know, that's a really nice way to approach it rather than trying to almost glamorize it in a TV show. You know what I mean? I haven't seen that show, mate, so I don't know. Yeah. But uh, no, credit to you. And I like, re really appreciate your, your honesty around that. And so like you're let's say you're now where it was almost a year then let's say after the incident and you said it started to get better like what what helped it get better was there an action or an event that kind of started you back on track it was kind of two th oh it was multiple things it's um first off was a bit of tough love with myself that was like this is it like what am i doing I'm being ridiculous. Um, like I knew that I had the power in me to get out of it, but I just didn't know what the roadmap was. So it was around that time started talking to friends about it. 
and friends that I knew had been through um, similar experiences. Also went to therapy, which is um, a huge stepping stone. We believe um, every person should go to therapy. That's our little, yeah. For sure. It's, um, yeah, I've, someone told me recently, it's, it, it might not give you answers, but it gives you an existential perspective on everything. And it just, I don't, the amount of comfort it gave me mm. and still gives me to this day, it's, mm. um, yeah, yeah, well, we, we, we've kind of spoken, especially if you've got more severe conditions, if you can get yourself out of that yourself with no help from anybody, power to you. But often we just need that support. It's like anything in life. You need that armor in the shoulder. You need that expert advice. And getting it from an expert is a sense of relief. It's a sense of someone's got your back, you know, um, whereas often, you know, you're trying to fight with your own head, your own thoughts. It doesn't necessarily work. And even the podcast that we shot earlier, Today, Lovemore spoke about how solicitors and lawyers, you know, top jobs, big families, and a few things go wrong, things can spiral pretty quickly. It can happen to anyone, you know, um, and it's hard to get out of it yourself. But, you know, get seeking that help can make the difference, you know. So, I'm yeah, often, then, um, Osh, Osh, uh, speaking to Osh on, on Friday, we asked him a question regarding how he, how he felt. I can't remember the exact question, but we're asking him, how do you feel about that mental health condition you had or how did you get yourself through that? And he just said, don't ask me. And he's like, I've got a team. I've got a team. I've got yeah. my psychologist. I've got my, I've got my wife. I've got my friends. It wasn't saying, oh, they're, they're the, they deal with it. But it was a case of realistically without them, there's no way we'd be able to do what he's done and, man and manage to cope with it to this day. So having that team around you and, like you've suggested, Neil, already, and like we spoke about, having an anchor who, who doesn't know they're an anchor, having a therapist, having your own coping strategies, which of course help as well. They're all they're all part of that big puzzle that may never be finished, the puzzle, but they're all piece of the puzzle. They're all piece of the puzzle. Well, it's, they, what I got from it was it's, it gives you a roadmap of this is what, this is how you can help it. These are kind of the next steps. This is what's happened and kind of the base story behind it but also to tell you that what's going on isn't just random in your head it's actual chemicals and i'm not the only person with that mm. reaction it's um so yeah that was it was huge uh, so mm. it's just being vulnerable to the situation being vulnerable to friends being vulnerable to therapy being vulnerable to myself and the condition and what had happened um, that was kind of the start of it. And the way I've talked about it before with friends is picturing it like, I don't know what video games are like these, but remember Mario and hey, uh, work through the levels and you pick up skills and then you've got a final boss at the end. And a people top level. And I kind of, <laughs> in my that head, a- at that time, I pictured like my depression that I was going through was like the final boss. And I'm, hmm. it's, yeah, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> oh, that's class. I love that. I love that's a that's a really, really cool analogy. And is is this around the time when you started to ideate pocket smiles, like the book, or did that come later? Um, it came a bit later. That was twenty eighteen. I started working on that. Um towards the end of twenty sixteen, I um 
knew that I needed to train my brain. Um, I needed to, I needed to get out of where I was at the time. I was working in an office and in the city, and I wasn't outside. My, I wasn't doing things that I loved. And um, my parents were so they pretty much kicked me out. They knew I had a bit of money behind me, and they're like, "You're going to Europe, and you're going to travel and enjoy yourself." And um, but it was another thing I did. I knew I had to train my short-term memory and my brain. So I'd just walk for half a day through a city and then have, I'd challenge myself to find my way back without a map to seeing things in reverse and started learning piano and just um, lots of little brain training. And then I just continued learning about mental health through that time, reading books, um, talking to friends. It would have been maybe if I don't know if you're a single man or not, but if you're going around Europe, like remembering ladies' names, might have been good. <laughs> what was your name again? I was awful for that back in the day. And then you get like a slap across the face. <laughs> I also said there was one time I was in Amsterdam, just speaking of like trying to find places. And Amsterdam, you know, you can uh, you can dabble in the the dark arts of weed, um, and. <laughs> <laughs> we were walking around there was a group of us like i think we had like a cookie or something and we we're having a great old time we we're trying to find this nightclub and it was like i think it's called space or something one of those big clubs we spent two hours walking around amsterdam like just completely like you know no hallucinating key. didn't know where we were like where and then we got to like this corner we're like oh, fuck this let's just go home we're not gonna find it and then someone just goes it's literally right there <laughs> Stumbled upon it. <laughs> we literally stumbled upon the club. It was the most mental thing ever. I was like, oh, Amsterdam, we got us losing it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, tell us about the book, Pocket Smiles. Um, so yeah, the way it kind of came to be was um, in twenty end of twenty sixteen, start twenty seventeen. I I had learned all this stuff and I knew that my friends didn't know it so I wanted to share it with the people around me and my close ones I had long white blonde curly sofa hair and I decided I was going to shave it raise money for Beyond Blue and it's going to be about revealing the inner layers and being vulnerable um and that just death, uh, death to Goldilocks did I read that somewhere yeah 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 I read that yeah cool. um we raised 10 grand for Beyond Blue from a haircut most expensive oh, yeah. of my life. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, the, that's the prices in Sydney, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was so I finished uni and I studied entrepreneurship and I finished and trying to apply for jobs and get a job with a bloody entrepreneurship degree was a nightmare. <laughs> bit of a bit of a charade. So I'll just I had such a fun time doing this mental health awareness thing that. I wanted to come up with a new one, but just make it even bigger and better and maybe have something tangible that could give out, raise money with. Um, and so in that degree, I guess what the idea of entrepreneurship is, you're looking for problems and then you make money off the solution. Yep. Um, and one of the best things I learned from it was to both the KISS philosophy, um, but also ask why five times to get to the source of the problem. Yep. To say, like, whatever. 
that um, it's, I don't know. I can't what why is Gary wearing a singlet <laughs> on camera? Why? Why? What? Why? <laughs> 42 degrees, mate. I'm just back to the gym. There you go. <laughs> Why were you at the gym? Yeah, I was at... <laughs> That's where my work is, mate. Why is your work there? <laughs> I, I, I can't I answer like that question, skip. unfortunately. <laughs> Why can't you answer that question? <laughs> I didn't pick this location. <laughs> it was... Um... But again, like... I thought it was so cool that if you apply that to anything, you come to what the actual source of the problem is rather than what might be the umbrella problem. Yeah. Um, so I applied that to mental health and was like, we we're, were talking about at the start, I thought the real problem was the stigma as to why we more people don't get involved to know that mental health is actually defined as a positive thing. It's not meant to be scary. Mm. That if I can do something to help break the stigma, that's where the real problem is. So the idea with the book was to, what is the most simple, positive, pure form of positive mental health? And after a bit of brainstorming, just thought smiling was the most simple version that we could condense positive mental health into. So I spent a bit of time researching the impacts of smiling and it just kind of expanded into this bigger picture of, um, I guess the main theme behind the book is that instead of thinking of happiness as the end of a long, hard road, it's more thinking of it as a curament of little moments of joy that we have in each day and appreciating them more. So reframing situations, being more aware of, um, counting your blessings, being gra grateful, showing that gratitude to others. So it just with all this information, I just thought we need something to pile it into. Initially thought, oh, just do an Instagram. This is what everyone's doing. But <laughs> I wanted something that like something that you could hold on to and something that was interactive and I, I didn't feel that great about putting myself videos of myself out there constantly and there is something there is something powerful about having that tangible that same like you read a book on a Kindle, which is handy for space saving, but when you actually get a book and you yeah. own that book and you read it, it's just so much better. So much better. So I can see where you went with that. That would make a difference. If there's a good some books I read on a Kindle and then if I really like it, I'm like, I'm just gonna buy this, the actual version yeah. of it, because I just want to have it and I want to open it up and touch it and read it. It's a weird, weird thing, but I understand that. That's cool. Yeah. But also, like, creating a book from an entre entrepreneurial point of view, or even just from a pure basic human level, you're already, like you here right now as we do this, in the top, what, one percentile, would you say, Gary, of the global population? Like, how many people have put a book out there? Oh, yeah, so, it's less than one percent. Yeah, so that in its own right is, like, such an, an achievement, you know, and everyone has ideas, everyone has things about this, but to actually go out and do it and make it happen is like a really massive achievement. So, you know, I hope you're very proud of that, even just that single moment, Never mind your recovery and, you know, all the things you've done to this day. And the knock-on knock effect that book's had on other people. Mm. Just from a personal standpoint. There's always a, there's an exercise I've done for, from an entrepreneurial standpoint and someone 
like the business mentor we had had that because his top about three as a wise like first you three circle small circle middle circle big circle yeah like from an entrepreneurial standpoint lots of people think about that middle circle how do you like how does how do you fix the solution for the customer and get revenue etc often we neglect the big circle which is how do we impact the world in a bigger a grander scale which obviously you've thought about quite early on because it's a non-for-profit and then but there's a little circle in the center that goes we often neglect itself we're scared to even fill in the middle circle which is from a selfish standpoint how do we just do something for ourselves? because it can be anything but people always naturally go to, oh, i want to provide for my family i want to have but is it no no that's not the middle the inner circle is for you for you and you only be selfish what do you want and it's actually harder than you think because you think then if you, you could write something like some people write oh i want a, a maserati but then they felt bad for writing it they're like oh i shouldn't really want that then i feel bad i should like, no no that's not the point the point is if you only work this hard and you're trying to change the world you've got a big circle you're trying to make a massive impact in the world and you're fixing these solutions for people but then you're not doing anything for yourself so yeah. i think from your standpoint like i said that middle circle it's a non-for-profit but you're making a huge impact in the world and from a personal standpoint mate credit to you that's amazing like you've you're an author of a book but but also like you're like the impact like our friend alex is in the house with you met you once and an hour later we had you locked into the podcast so that's just like an actual example of what the book you know if you hadn't done that book we wouldn't be here chatting right now so yeah that's the power of action it's um I've always kind of, maybe I listened to too much punk rock as a kid or <laughs> whatever, but I think it was, I, I've always tried, and I think it was also from that initial trauma on the beach that day that I'm not going to get in my own way of the things that I want to do. And I've had a lot of faith that if I pursue the things that I'm passionate about and from this project, I I haven't paid myself, but the reward from it is like just mind blowing. The amount of networks and just people I've met and amazing stories, and mm. it's um yeah, just if something sounds like a good idea at the time, I'll put a bit mm. of thought into it. But I like to just dive in, and um, mm. if I can help, then that's um if it's amazing if i don't then if it i knew that if the book didn't end up coming out then i'd learn a lot and could just pitch it put it down as that was my internship for my degree i'd learn a lot from the from the process and but um was yeah and we, we, we've even said with this podcast like if you could save like one life with any of this stuff that you do it's worth it's worth every yeah. single minute of it and that's invaluable and like maybe that the selfish thing maybe let's say with this podcast for for me and it particularly is like that tangibility as well like to be able to actually tangibly have a podcast speak to people do all these things it's already opened up so many different things for gary and i both you know professionally personally you know our relationship has grown over these last few months as well like um and you know it's it's been so rewarding in so many different ways as well and do you find because i was thinking about that when you were saying we've asked this question to a lot of people like when was the moment that you think you know you shifted gears or whatever but maybe it's a sense of as you said there a few minutes ago 
when you start feeling that it might be taken over or that like hang on a second like this is not what i want to do that seems to be like a reoccurring moment for a lot of people that when it starts taking over let's say and you start going hang on a second this isn't me and you get that realization that seems to be the catalyst but then often when you get that realization I, like you i'll probably answer this question anyway but do you think once you start on your mental health journey, there's no stopping you? Do you think like, and you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper? This is, I can only talk from personal experience. So I, I can't, this isn't advice to anyone. Um, but for me, I found that once it started, once the ball started rolling, it was a lot quicker because as soon as you get that little bit of momentum um i've got a little saying that i say to myself sometimes that the more you do the more you do mm -hmm. so once you get in a habit or something um once you got a roadmap and you got a plan and you're organized with it then mm. it um because as soon as you start yeah. feeling better you want to you want to keep feeling better keep it going yeah well gary like all the people we've spoken to like they've had one moment they have like shared then she started becoming an integrative healer and doing, like you know going and say dara burn was the same once he caught on changed the whole direction of his whole life now he's going helping people and he's like doing all kinds of stuff you know love more went on to get out of the country he was born in to go on to be a world boxing champion you know i think once you once you get it like people just you just start going down that trajectory no one, i don't think anyone's gonna have this big pivotal moment to go you know oh like usher like oh that was great but i'm just gonna go back to where i was yeah. before like you know <laughs> well, it's not even comfort zone because it sucks when you're in there yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's like once you open pandora's box like the box is open like there is a sense of ignorance is bliss i think for everyone in their own journey until they realize it and then it becomes overwhelming and quite often a lot to take on when you start becoming aware. But if you power through it, you just, the rewards are endless, you know? And in saying all that too, like, like you said at the very start, it's, once you get out of it, it's not gone. Hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's just about learning and treating everything as a, that's um, like another, uh, just, one of the things I like to talk to people about is seeing these problems and adversities as trying to reframe that into there's opportunity to grow and also to learn and how to bounce back quicker and build that resilience. And yeah. Um, and with your book, you've obviously done that, which is uh, the, uh, the goal of the book is to make people smile. As you've already said, it has independent, um, graphical designs that are created by artists correct with different yeah it's a mixture of jokes is it affirmations like stories to kind of help jokes, people feel better jokes quotes things to try or with the purpose of making you smile so i guess the um our slogan for the book is we're using humor to break down barriers and inspiration to drive change so the jokes are in there to make it lighthearted and kind of push past that initial like break the ice i guess mm -hmm. but then the quotes and the poems and a lot of them are um specifically on the theme of mental health or anxiety or um which i guess the point is to get your thinking then about get the clogs turning and 
um, thinking about your own stuff. But and then the things that, to try are to um, get yourself in a habit of recognizing, so using that inspiration and applying it to day to day life. And then I just thought, if this is all just like, I mean, I've seen joke books and quote books, and there's all the Instagrams with it. And just thought how to make the book even more special would be it'd be amazing to get a custom artwork from a different artist for each joke and quote um which wasn't a regret but it went from maybe being a three-month timeline to being a three-year timeline oh, okay um yeah i think you saw you 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 were like we found artists then they dropped off we found more artists and they pissed off then we got more artists <laughs> It was, um, and in saying that, it was the times it was testing my patience. Most of them were made just straight away. Love the idea. I'll get something to you by the end of the week. And then straight away, I'd have this amazing custom artwork. And, it was, and it's in saying all this, so amazing that people even gave me their time and thought and about and excitement about the project so don't hold anything against anyone that couldn't find the time to get it done um but yeah there were a couple that were like oh i'm keen i'm keen two weeks later i'd message them oh i'm still keen just gotta do this other stuff first mm-hmm. three months down the track <laughs> you know what i'm too busy mm-hmm. and then the follow-up artist i'd then search for someone else that I thought would be a good match, talk to them, get them involved. And sometimes they do the same thing. And You should have thrown some of the stats at them, you know, like there's eight Australians a day, you know, that are, you know, struggling with suicide and things like that. And maybe that might've, you know, got them into shape or into gear. Because... Yeah. Well, I, may, it I was, mean, this... again, like, I think there was only one or two artists that didn't reply to my initial message um, and probably messaged probably close to a hundred. Wow. Every single one yeah. was like, this is amazing. I'm so keen. Um, but just like life gets in the way and you can't, can't do anything. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. And just nearing the end, one of, one of the things you've spoken about, I think I saw it in your Kickstarter, which was around, we've spoken about this before around the pathways to mental health. Like you mentioned, there's so much information out there. The stats, some of them which you shared in the Kickstarter, through the charity which was um was it the black dog institute that you yeah. worked with yeah um so there's obviously a lot of research like they're quite harrowing like where where do you think we are right now do you, do you think there's anything we need to improve to clarify or can you know make that message more concise for people i think what um there's so much information available out there like we were talking about at the start it's hard to know which one's the best for you. Um, I think Australia in general, we're at a, for how far we've come, we're at a pretty amazing place um, for the amount of resources there are. And, um, but just like we were talking about before, I think just how to, um, if we could figure out a way to individualize it or make, um, choosing those pathways or um, 
making that a little bit easier somehow. How we do it, I have no idea. But um, I think that's one of the, the one of the reasons that got me um, got me inspired to write the book is was if you want to learn about mental health, if you're just starting out your journey, if you go onto a lot of these websites, you're instantly hit with the big, scary, daunting statistics and death rates and how common it is. And I think the message of how common mental health is can be taken two ways. Um, so I think it's, again, I think just breaking down stigma mm. is um, what probably needs the most work with. Um, and what's next for Hugh? I, is this volume one? Like that? It's like a little teaser at the end of a Marvel movie. Does that mean there's going to be a volume two, three, four? There is no pocket smiles available on Instagram. So I had to do pocket smiles and something. <laughs> we had that Not on Twitter as well. Someone already had these lads <laughs> of mental. I was like, fuckers. <laughs> I think um, I have been playing with the idea of doing a music version. To coming up with an album. Broken Biscuits, mate. They can do the theme song. <laughs> I was thinking that myself. <laughs> do you do you play instruments? Are you a musician yourself? Piano? Yeah, that's um that's one of the right. things I'm trying to um, get out of my comfort zone with at the moment. Yeah. Um I think just music's a great, great way to humble sound. Have you ever tried um, Hugh? So one of the guests we have on Mary Huang, she does a thing called Listen Up. Have you heard of it? No. Recommend giving that a try. So she usually does it in person. Does it once a month. They're basically headphones on. Yeah. They go to somewhere. I think I think it's always in Sydney in person, but she now does them online. And her and she's got a musician that works with her. And obviously she's studied a lot of the ways music can trigger certain things in the brain, et cetera. So then they narrate this music to do that. And for basically 90 minutes, you go through like a journey. For 90 yeah. minutes, just the headphones in, close your eyes, and they take you through it. Starts off with a little bit of like meditation. They call it like a, an oral cleanse where you go through a lot of meditative way. And it's just music yeah. from all over the world. Amazing. But it's to get certain chemicals going in your brain, to think certain ways. And by the end of it, it's, a, it's an, as you said, it's music. Sometimes you feel so emotional. Sometimes you feel just chilled out. Sometimes you zone out. Sometimes you're buzzing again. Start getting memories yeah. from being younger. It's crazy. It's really, really worth, really worth a, um, a try. Yeah, definitely can. I'll look it up. Yeah, we'll yeah. send you. I'll send you a link to it. And yeah. Have a look. Yeah, Mary's amazing. Both Gary and I have done it, and uh, I'm blown away. Absolutely blown away by it. Like, just yeah. mental. mental. That sounds epic. Um, well, the last section is we ask the same quick fire questions of all the guests, and we're going to tally them all up. And then at the end of the season, we're going to like relay what they are. Um, so we'll we'll ask them nice and quick, and then just shoot back quick fire answers. Uh, sure. So the first one is: When are you at your happiest? Happiest um, when I'm moving forward. Nice. When, when things are progressing, but not too quick. Nice, yeah. like that. Moving forward at a good pace. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's nice. That's like that's different to what we've had before. Um, out of 10, where do you think we currently are in the world in terms of mental health awareness? Ooh. 
Um, <laughs> Six. Okay to say zero. That's fine. <laughs> Six. Glass half full. Glass half full. I like it. Then in your own case, uh, where are you out of 10 with your own personal mental health right now? Um, great question. I'd say eight. Nice. You're beating the world. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, if you could recommend just one thing that people could do every day to improve their mental health, what would that be? I think just be curious of your own mental health. Um, study yourself. Be open to learning about it. Be vulnerable. Just um, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just use it to, you're going to get out of it. Let's learn what we can and move on. That was a lot of answers. No, oh, that was great. Oh, that was fantastic. Thanks, mate. So the big questions really now is where do people find you, mate? Where do people get the book? Uh, and of course, where do the proceeds go to? So Pocket Smiles, you can find on Instagram or online. We've got Facebook too. Um, Pocket Smiles at Big Cartel. The reason we use them is because we don't need to pay for online because this is 100% not for profit. The only charge is printing was four fifty for a book. That's our only expense. No wages, no nothing. So every cent that we can gets donated to Black Dog Institute for their education programs. Um, we're trying to reach a goal of fifty grand by the end of our books. Who we've also got T-shirts and stickers up there, but um. Yeah, got, got big goals. As when you ask what I have up, lined up next, nothing yet. We still got a lot of these to pump out. Um, I've had a little break, but I'm keen to get this message out there because it's still just as important as ever. Superb, mate. Thank you very much for, for your time today. No, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to buy a copy of the book, so I'll, I'll go online and, and get one of them. I'd awesome. love to have it. It's, um, yeah, I really appreciate the support and just being open and. Yeah, really look, it's, uh, it's great having you on this episode. I think it was like a really thank nice. You, <laughs> thank you, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Grima, I love you. She's brilliant. Um, but it just shows, yeah, you just do one thing and then, you know, dominoes can roll. And it was just a nice, your, your story is just great on a, on a few different levels. And it was a different, a different style and different pace from ours. Like we've, We've spoken to some experts and sports stars, as we mentioned, but also we want to speak with people who are just real people, you know, doing their thing. And I think your story in itself is, has a lot of positivity to it. So I think good on you, Mace. And thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Really appreciate mm. it. Thanks. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzhear and 
the black dog institute